That'll do. Gregor's making fun of my notes. I make them like a serial killer. I didn't make fun of them. How do all. yours look? Mine look the same. I mean, yours are a little scratch here, but mine's still. I've got a, a line going from here to here, so I remember these are the same thought. And I did not make fun of them because I said mine are not much better. And I showed you mine. You're like, oh, yeah. See, look, these are mine. Welcome to the Fright Zone. I'm Greg. I'm Nate. I'm Hogan. This episode, we're going to be talking about 1988's 976 Evil, one of two films directed by Robert England, better known as the bastard son of 100 maniacs, Freddy Krueger. It's the story of a damaged nerd out for revenge who gets a little help from a hotline to hell. That's what the plastic's for, asshole. <laughs> yes! That's, uh, <laughs> well, we should jump right in then to, um, um, out of one to five frights, how many do you give it, Hogan? Uh, I'm a solid three and a half, dude. Nate? 2.5. I gave it three, so we're all kind of... I was going to say, are half stars five. allowed? I was hoping they were. Yeah. Once they, they are now. Out, yeah, yeah. well, you said you said uh, the plastic line, which made me think of, um, you know, we're going to talk about our favorite lines, and uh, I had a really hard time choosing between that or, uh, these are God's fishes! <laughs> that is great. I do also have a backup one in case you guys chose that, and that's, uh, a couple of babes riding on the back. <laughs> there was another one. Oh, if you value your life, I suggest you leave me alone. It was another really good one. I just hope to use it someday. I wrote down two as well, except uh, that's what Plastic for Asshole, obviously. But the other one, I just love the, uh, what's her name? Aunt, uh, Aunt Lacey or whatever the hell is she is. She's, thou shalt not stale! Yeah, Aunt Sandy. Aunt Sandy. No, no, na- Sandy's, Sandy's the, the actress's name. Apparently, she's in some like Hitchcock stuff. Like, Yeah. Yeah. She's an Oscar winner. I didn't, which I didn't know. Not for Nine Seven and Six no, Evil, however. No. I only recognized her from um, that Vestron movie, Parents. Mm. That's a great one. Cannibalistic Parents. Yeah. Um, <laughs> is Randy Quaid. Quaid in that? He is. Yeah. Um, His belly's full of humans. <laughs> What's your favorite kill in the movie? Pitchfork on the neon, or the uh, the kill on the neon pitchfork. Oh yes, that, the El Diablo cinema. Yeah. Yeah. I uh I went with the face full of glass sequence, just the lady walking down the street, because I just thought that was really badass. I like the yeah. whole sequence. She's walking down the street, you know, the all the phones are ringing. She's looking at the display and just... I could picture that being in an Argento movie and being filmed yeah. completely differently. Oh, yeah, but... totally. That was mine yeah. as well. I just like the fact that you saw the uh, the red pump telephone lying next oh, to her yeah. as well. That kill was awesome. Yeah. Which I watched the movie three times um, this week. Because uh, I wanted to watch the theatrical cut, the VHS cut, and I wanted to watch it once with uh, Robert England's commentary uh, as research. But um, that scene's not in the VHS cut. Really? Which I thought was really weird. There's all these additional scenes that like make the story make a little more sense, but they cut that kill out, which doesn't make any fucking sense for a horror movie. I completely took it out? It's just not there. I love how large the glass in her face is, too, considering oh, it's, it's like safety glass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Except those pieces are like the size of Pop-Tarts. Totally. That's how you know it hurts. <laughs> Should we just talk through the fucking movie's whole story? I, I did put my like, notes in like a relative order. I guess, uh, I mean, we can kind of tell the story. I mean, that. I mean, some is... of my highlighted notes are smoking during sex when she <laughs> sucks on his chin butt. The fact that she is a poor man's Demi Moore. So that's all regarding the love interest. Susie? <laughs> yes. So, okay. So Susie... Um, who's played by Leslie uh, Leslie Dean, 
according to my notes. Um, she's also in Nightmare on Elm Street Part Six. Really? She's the she's the blonde girl who like fights him like Kung Fu Star fights her obese oh, oh yeah and yep. it is her there's all sorts of like Nightmare on Street connection so England brought her in for six because he'd worked with her in that movie but like um, all the makeup in 976 Evil's awesome yeah from and that's Kevin Yeager and, yeah you know, the he did transformations really cool I love that they did the uh, the voice thing a lot of times I hated movies when the actor, the you can tell they're actually, yeah. yeah, it just sounds like a deeper version or something, but for, like, oh, uh, fuck me. you know, fuck Stephen me Joffrey's <laughs> voice is so specific and strange yeah. that it would make those scenes hard to oh, believe. Yeah. And the way they did it made it a lot more believable. Well, I, I just like that. I mean, the thing about the movie is like his transformation is so slow, like how subtle the makeup work is and like, like the voice modulation, like he as he becomes more and more like possessed or evil or whatever, like the makeup subtly changes. His voice keeps getting lower and lower. It's just cool. Like the the makeup works really neat. You know what I mean? <laughs> so okay, so if anyone's listening and hasn't really seen this movie, like we're getting into a lot of fun stuff, but like uh, I guess we'll scale it back a bit. So there used to be nine hundred numbers. Yes, there used to be nine hundred <laughs> numbers. So that's definitely something of note here. Like if if like we grew up watching this shit, you know, you know, on VHS in the eighties and the nineties, but like. Kids now, if you watch this, I think you'd be like, what is this? Why like, are they the calling whole... this number? Yeah. yeah, they never really explain it. Because um, we, we open just like that strung out like cocaine businessman like who's on the phone, which is an awesome stunt when it explodes and the dude's actually on fire and then on wires, they pull him back. It's like, that's a sweet stunt. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so like in the 80s, you had the 900 numbers you'd call. And there was even like a Freddy Krueger number. I remember, remember that? that. Yep. I called call it once. Freddy. You did? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, I didn't get past the part where you have to enter the credit card because I didn't have a credit card. So I was like nine. But I did the initial where you call and it's like, who do you want to talk to? You know, I asked Stella tonight if she knew what 900 numbers were. And she's like, that's what you use when you like need Stanley Steamer to come to your house. Right. Yeah. Or <laughs> masturbation. Jingle. Stella is uh, Hogan's daughter. Yeah. I um, remember calling a uh, new kids on the block one. What? Because it was, I would think I was six or seven, <laughs> and you called, and it'd be like, "Do you want to talk to Donnie, <laughs> Joey? I don't remember their other names. Mark. You know, I don't know. That's the other Wahlberg. But you know what I mean. Like, it'd just say their names, and you're supposed to pick the one, you're and then on, believe that Mark's third nipple, please. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> As if they're all standing by waiting for your six-year-old ass to call them. But it was a lot of money. If you actually Michael Jackson's hotline. Yeah. <laughs> Robert England uh, sometimes would actually take calls on that hotline. Really? It was mostly guys just trying to person, but he's like, once in a while, I would do it. Oh, wow. Which, that is pretty cool. Yeah. For all those that called that phone line, now you have to wonder if you actually talk to the man. We know what 900 number is now. All the kids at home know. Check and check. And uh, so basically, the premise of this movie is, we've got this, there's a 900 number. And the somehow, horoscope. Yes, the horoscope. Dial 666 for your horoscope. And, uh, uh, excuse me, it would somehow dial the devil himself or Mark Dark, as we'll learn later in the film. But um, who Mark Dark uh, is played by Robert Picardo from The Howling. Oh, these connections I didn't make. He's, he's the, Do you make that he, connection? He's the no. dude in the Howling whose face morse all crazy. He's the killer. Oh, okay. Um, and he's also in Grimm's. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Jill and I just watched Gremlins too because she was pumped up Gremlins after I got her that NECA toy. Um, 
he's the the sleazy business guy in Gremlins too that ends up being just sexually harassed by the girl mm-hmm. Gremlin. Same guy. Nice. And you would also know him as the voice of the Johnny Cab in Glory. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to your Johnny Cab. I love that movie. Yes. I saw that in the theater with my now dad. That you, now that you think about it, too, that actually uh, the, the cab driver actually s- slightly resembles him a little bit, too. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be right back. You guys keep talking. No, I remember him. He was in... Uh, you're a Star Wars guy, but I'm a Star Trek guy. Anyway, he plays the hologram doctor <laughs> in Star Trek. But uh, do, you, do you remember the movie Inner Space? Is that the one where, like, Randy Quaid's inside the little thing inside Martin Short? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nate's, Nate's pissing in the other room and taller Martin Short. I've got that one on LaserDisc. <laughs> what, Inner Space? Inner Space, yeah. Inner Space is a great movie. I also have a French VHS and a regular VHS. How does he, re- I, can't remember, I can't recall, how does he end up inside her body? Do they they shrink him down. Right, they but they, put it, they initially put him inside a rabbit. And that's all the further it was going to go. But then, like, he somehow ends up inside of Meg Ryan. I thought they were inside Martin Short. They end up inside Martin oh, Short. Okay. I thought I came from the world where there was that, you know, Sinbad genie movie or something for a <laughs> yeah. second. I was like, I Meg yeah. the Mandela effect. Yeah. I, I... We're still in the regular world, maybe. Except for the fact that Rick Moranis was assaulted on the streets of New York City <laughs> yesterday. Oh, what kind what of kind world? world? No, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Who fucking does that? If you haven't seen that video either, it's like very just out of nowhere. He's minding his own business and somebody just blasts him in the face. Do you think they knew who he was? I don't think so. They weren't like, they. it wasn't like they saw, honey, I blew up the baby and decided <laughs> to take like, out their this dude. You make things small, motherfucker. <laughs> Not big. Bam. <laughs> oh, we were at the barbershop yesterday and somebody goes, he's a national treasure. And then this other guy was like, isn't he from Canada? <laughs> he is. Like, absolutely. True. Second city, all that. So, okay, so so that's the premise. We got this phone line, you call it and it calls hell, and the devil, you know, gives you advice on how to like become more powerful in your life. So this nerdy ass kid played by Stephen Jeffries. Um Is it Jeffries or Geoffreys? I always want to say Geoffreys just because so it I. starts with a G. We can say yeah. Geoffreys. Geoffreys. I just want to make sure we're not you know, on the wrong side of history. Yeah. Yeah. Hoax is gonna lose he has a, those bastards. He has a short history. He does. Which entails Fright Night, <laughs> which if you haven't seen that, you're an absolute moron. And then uh, lesser known Fraternity Vacation, which is about a college nerd from Iowa who goes on vacation with Whoa. a couple of bros down to Florida. I said Tim Robinson. And yeah. they convince his parents that they're going to like show him a good time and treat him right. And I think they even allude to the fact that like, they tell the father that they're going to get him laid, and they the parents, <laughs> Stephen Geoffrey's parents, pay for the entire trip under the guise that like they're going with, and it's like even Stephen Geoffrey's like cousin's place they stay at. Oh and man! And then, uh, yeah, it's that's a great movie. If you have not seen it, the tagline is "Iowa's number one nerd." It was unleashed on the earth or something. I can't remember. I legit, Nine Seven Six Evil and Fright Night are the only two movies I've seen with him for sure. Like I was thinking about that. I was like, <laughs> the they didn't even bring him back for Fright Night Two or anything either, did they? No, no. he's in for, they or not Fright Night Two. He's uh, they should have brought him back. Yeah, I love his cadence. You're so Brewster. Uh, you're yeah. so cool, or whatever. And he's yeah. the same guy in every all three movies in Fraternity Vacation. He plays the nerd who's trying to get like. The cool kids to want to well, hang he, out with him. He's and definitely stuff. great at being that character. I mean, like you feel bad for him. 
So I'm yeah, like, yeah. Because at you're the end, around... nine seven six evil definitely felt like I find oh, his man. face yeah. like he's actually just possessed and he doesn't want to be yeah. doing this. But like, Yo, what yeah. are you gonna do? He got talons and yeah, <laughs> superhuman he's strength. Shove him out a window. You I can... find his face even without prosthetics inherently disturbing. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably why he didn't make it more movies. Yeah, we made it into some other kinds of movies. Yeah, I was gonna bring up um, halfway house hunks. Yeah. <laughs> what? Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> he went into a solid. It wasn't like a. He did it backwards, uh, ladies and gentlemen. You're you're yeah. supposed to do the porn first as a gateway into the Hollywood scene, but he instead just left Hollywood. He went under the pseudonyms <laughs> Sam Ritter and Stephen Bordeaux. Oh man, I didn't know any yeah. of this. It'd be <laughs> it'd be funny if he made his porn name John Ritter, <laughs> just so all that credit went onto somebody else's <laughs> IMDb. <laughs> So yeah, so we focus on um, his character Hoax, which I've never met anyone named Hoax in my life. H-O-A-X. I want I want to buy a dog just to name it Hoax. Do it. <laughs> and he lives with his mom, who um, is wacko, crazy, over the top, um, religious, satanic, panic era Christian mother. Yes, eighty satanic panic mom. Thou shalt not uh, steal. Also, his uh, his cousin. number eight in the book. <laughs> yeah, his cousin. His cousin is like a cool, like motorcycle, like you know, hangs with the tough kids. But like, he's a nice guy, you know. Yeah, um, like, it's like he hangs off a rough crowd. But like he's a good dude, unless and, he uh, wants to play poker, in which case he ditches. He, ditches he looks like lady. the uh, the poor man's Peter Berg. You remember that dude from the yeah. Great White Hype? So okay, so he's living with his aunt. He's living with his cousin, and um, she's crazy. She. She's always, you know, talking down his cousin, who, who Hoax looks up to his cousin. His cousin's name is Spike. He looks up to Spike, wants to be cool like Spike, because Spike rides a motorcycle. He has a cool leather jacket. He has friends. He gets the ladies tank. want him. Yeah. Yeah, he gets his on his disgusting green chair. <laughs> and uh, Which Hoax dentist chair, stares at and rocks it a little bit. <laughs> yeah. And that's probably... I mean, he's got some creepy moments. Like, this is where it happened. But yeah, the ultimate... <laughs> I think it's a step above the sniffing her panties, oh, yeah. which is gross. But the idea that he's like reimagining them having sex on the chair After by making it through rock. His Sears Robux catalog telescope. And now we know he wouldn't be interested in that anyway. Uh, <laughs> but So what happens is like, so his cool cousin first finds the number for 976 evil for his horoscope. He dials it. The evil's kind of trying to possess his, his cousin. His cousin, though overpowers it he doesn't give in to it hoax on the other side calls the line and realizes it's his chance to fucking get even if all the bullies all the kids make all his dreams come true make all his dreams come true get the girl all that stuff and his voice the voice of the evil is robert england you can tell which is you you can't tell until he laughs yeah um i thought it was i thought it was the um robert picardo i thought it was his voice he probably he probably saved like I don't know thirty grand doing that. Yeah, Spike, his cousin, and all of his friends hang out at uh, this theater, the El Diablo, which apparently. <clears throat> sorry, I'm drinking a Schlitz, and it might be expired Schlitz. And I'm just burping a lot. Um, <laughs> uh, this movie theater, the El Diablo, just plays horror movies all the time, and Spike and all of his like uh, his his gang cronies, um, his, his cronies, his punks, they all hang out there, and um, they, they play cards. Movies. They play cards, nudie cards. Yeah. Chain smoke cigarettes, um, chain slam experience. bottles of Jack Daniels. Oh yeah, and uh, always which, remember to change the film reels over somehow. Was it, isn't I'm pretty sure film's really uh, flammable too, so I don't know that that's conducive to smoking in the same room. Oh yeah, I think that comes up later in the film. Uh, yeah, it does. <laughs> and uh, 
Yeah, the artist party in there. Did you notice all the cool, like, there's so many horror posters in there, too. Yeah, there's even a... Um, there's an Iron Maiden poster. In the in the back left corner, there's an advertising um, piece for this ska compilation called Dance Craze. <laughs> and it's a, sh- a dressing shoe with pants. And it says, you know, Dance Craze and checkered letters. My wife has that comp on vinyl. It's like the nice. specials and Did she catch madness. that one? Uh, yeah, we did together. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to Emily for catching that one for us. Yeah, some some of the best graffiti too. Um, jump into the high school bathroom. I just oh. want to get this out of the way, but there's well, a there's black, all over the black flag. Okay. There's one where it literally just says "bong hits." <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that means, but I mean, I guess it just means they love bong hits. Uh, Devo was another. I said there's a R and an N on the wall for Robert England and Nancy. Oh, his the set designer in the movie who apparently did all the horrible spray paint was a girl named Nancy who then they met and now it's his wife. I was say we're doing no it. But she put R and N somewhere in there and he didn't know and he said he saw it on the dailies and he was like, oh, true love. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> snuck in the love. Can you imagine though if you were that girl and like in the eighties like talking to your family on the phone like, oh yeah, I met someone like who? Oh, he's an actor. Oh, what would I know him from? Well, he's Freddy Krueger. Freddy fucking Krueger. One thing I wrote, I will say, that opening shot, like, is, there's no doubt about it that, like, I don't know, I almost felt like I was getting ready to watch a Nightmare on Elm Street movie. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. The dude, like, walking by the camera, and it just, like, slowly zooms into that building. And all the miniatures effects that they do, it's Mm -hmm. like, dude, Robert England took all this from, you know, yeah, Nightmare 3, 4, 5. Yeah. Like just like people falling out of windows and stuff. Yeah. You can tell it's like it's cool because it is a miniature, but it's not like it looks fake. It's just like you can you're you know, you're a human being, you can tell it's yeah. <laughs> not real. I, I was conflicted if I want to give it three and a half or give it three frights. Cause like there's lots of good like the I think the acting in it's actually pretty good. It's competently shot. Like it's it surprised me that he only directed two films. I've never seen a second film. Either. It's called Killer Pads from the 2000s. It's like these frat boys move into a house and it's apparently a gateway to hell or something. Dude, bro. I've never seen it. Um, <laughs> so he's into hell. He's into hell. <laughs> we know that. Um, but uh, it's like it's well made. Like it's a well made movie. I've certainly watched films that are less competent um, and don't look as good. Like it's pretty surprising how good it is for his first. I think that last out. third of the movie, though, like it, I don't know, it all, I, it really drops the ball. It's like really discombobulated compared to the first half. Well, I feel like, well, yeah, well, so okay, so watching the, did you watch the VHS or do you have the blue? Right? I watched the Blu-ray. So okay, so the extended cut, I guess we can get into. So okay, so how the movie plays out, basically, the kid after he calls and he gets possessed, he's killing all these bullies and stuff. Um. There's a scene in the movie where fish rains from the sky and the ant, what you don't know from theatrical cut, there's a scene where the ant calls a tabloid. She calls a religious tabloid. It's like a rag, like National Enquirer, something that'd be in the newsstand. She calls them to tell them about this event. And that's why the guy shows up. Yeah, because they don't, Which, they just, he yeah. shows up. Yeah. In theatrical cut, your son like, is this guy a cop or what? Like, he's yeah, telling he's her got something, a like, what's look. going on? Um, so... I don't know why they cut that scene out. The scene is literally only a minute. So whatever. Um, yeah. But. Uh, and. I think they cut a lost file involving him because watching theatrical cut, there's a lot of scenes that weren't there. It's also weird that suddenly he's just hanging out with the school principal. Oh, yeah. And they're like buddies. I think he says the kid. He's like, I see why you come here all the time. And then, oh, they cut <laughs> that out. Well, they cut that out, too. There's a scene with, uh, early on the show in like hoaxes innocence on the VHS cut where hoax is hanging out. Um in her office like he does jobs for the principal 
it's like a lot of that stuff, like that setup stuff's good. Yeah, setting him up is like a normal yeah. teen that likes to help out. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, and it's like, it's kind of You still feel bad for him, it's though. It's right like... before he gets the swirly. When the yeah. spike comes and fucks up the dudes. Which, they're... of course, is a brutal bullying thing that you'd never see in a movie oh, ever yeah. again, even though it'll still happen. Yeah. If schools ever open up again. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not that that's the reason they should open. But yeah, I, I don't know why they cut that stuff out, but I think that's like what makes the third act feel weird. Yeah. Is it's like something like, why are these two hanging out? I just don't like, know why what? I'm supposed to give a shit about that dude. Yeah. It's like, who the Emily fuck is this Emily literally left the room for like 15 minutes and then came <laughs> back and was like, who's that lady? <laughs> and I'm like, shit, I don't remember. Like, it, like it also escaped me. Yeah. Like, who the, I don't, you know, well, like, yes. she's not relevant. I don't know why they cut scene out introducing her. Because, like, she has a relationship with them, too. Because then it's why he's talking to her and why she gets involved. Because she has a personal relationship with Hoax. She's like, oh, I love that kid. He helps me out. Yeah. Like, yeah, something's wrong with his family. I would love to help you out. Like, I also, she's just trying to help out this kid that she thinks is a good kid that gets picked on. I like that it has that weird trope, though, too, where, like, she has her hair up and glasses on and she's ugly. But then as soon as oh, she yeah, takes hideous. it off. Yeah. Like, she wants to fuck the reporter. <laughs> yeah. So then she lets it down. Yeah. To let him know she's in town. So, yeah. So this reporter for the uh, religious tabloid, he's the one who's trying to figure out what the hell's going on. And he kind of figures out maybe something, you know, evil's happening. So he like goes to the uh, the uh, 976 warehouse, which is like the seediest looking building, and again covered in graffiti. Yeah. Everything in there is covered in graffiti. It's right oh. across the street from the theater. I love the idea that those places exist because I did work in telecommunications briefly, and oh, yes. I just remember I just sit there. It was like me and my buddy Chad Comstock, and we just chain smoke cigarettes and we were calling people to try to get them to donate money for the Nebraska Wishing Well Foundation, oh, which yes. is in no way related to the wishing or. Uh, Make a wish. Make the the wish, make a wish foundation. foundation, and they later got busted for fraud. But, yeah, but was it like that building? Was it a smorgasbord of like? Nate? It was just I don't know because I was only in like a corner. Right. Maybe it was. Right. You know, I like to think it was. Because <laughs> she's what she's selling phone sex, and there's like a priest, like I don't know, like doing prayers over the phone. Yeah. Well, there, there was the uh, there was the uh, Santa Claus guy who was like yeah. kicking back some booze. He's like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, what do you want for Christmas? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, little girl in that scene i know something really cool on uh one of those three viewings i noticed that um so mark dark which is such a great character name yeah for that character when he takes him into the room to show him the machine that is the 976 evil machine the automated demon machine or whatever um so you know he's like balding yeah his hair oh, is poofed up like horns. Yeah. And I didn't notice until watching this video when he takes him in that room, the light hits him in his shadow on the yeah, walls. Yeah, so you like can see devil. it more in the shadow. It's I did awesome. not even notice like, that. That's so cool. Like, that's yeah. good. But, like, again, that's good directing. Like, Robert England, like, did a good job. Yeah, because that's got the camera, the lighting. Oh, the, it's cool. Uh, like, stylist. Like, yeah. lots of things are involved so, in that very one subtle. thing. Um, but I thought that was awesome. That's a cool thing. There's a lot of cool touches in the movie. It's just, like... It just somehow never quite gets to a point where it's like as good as it could be. You know, I could have yeah. had a couple more kills in the movie, you know? Yeah. The movie's good. I think it's Steven, like Steven Joffrey's performance is what half? saves that movie. Well, sure. he's great. I mean, he's just, he's just <clears throat> doing his evil Ed shit again, and it's awesome. The reason I have it at two and a half is because there are movies like Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer out there. Yeah. And this, in comparison to that, <laughs> is not even close so i have to leave some room for this is a whole different world than harry Potter's. it know, is and it, i mean it's in the it's in the horror world it's uh yeah, maybe yeah. even came out the same year did it i, I mean it's within 
two years. I mean, definitely this movie would have been better if it had Michael Rooker in it. I mean, that's for sure. Yeah. I love the Rook. Yeah. He but. could just walk past <laughs> one of those random streets. He scenes. could have been Mark Dark. Yeah. Hey, this is uh... a... <laughs> that was a horrible <laughs> Michael Rooker. <laughs> I'm glad they didn't get Gene Simmons. <laughs> He's oh. great in Trick or Treat, but... Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Nate, you'll like this, though. This movie's co-written by two people, okay? One is Brian Helgeland, who uh, would go on to, you know, write L.A. Confidential and Mystic River, like, you know, Academy Award winning films. Um, not to mention Assassins, which I think you guys probably care more about. He wrote Assassins, he wrote Manfire, and he wrote um, Payback. But the other guy who, who he co-wrote the film with is Rhett Tapham, who's only wrote two other things, one of which is Trick or Treat. No shit. 1986 Trick or Treat. Nice. And if you think about it, it's very fucking similar concepts. Yeah. I thought once I found that I was like, wow, this is like in a weird way, almost like it could you could have turned it some way and made it almost a sequel to Trick or Treat. Right. I, I mean, I just, just found out the director from Trick or Treat also directed Air Bud, which I, <laughs> you know, like. Are you joking? No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what he did between the two. I don't know how far along in the movie we are, but uh, there's that scene where they're at the pizza shop. This is after. Um, when I'm mad, I eat. Yeah. When I'm mad, I eat. Like, why does it seem like she's drunk on the pizza? <laughs> like, she no. keeps chain-smoking cigarettes and slamming slices mm -hmm. of pep. And she literally just seems... She keeps tossing the hair out of her face. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, she's just carrying herself as like as if she's drunk on the pizza. At no point does she actually consume anything. So, I, I don't know. Oh, and, and Hoax tells that joke... I but wonder, the you only hear the end of it. You, he doesn't even tell you the. You don't know what the first part is. And it's like, he's like, and then he goes out to the cow, yeah. and the cow says, "I'd recognize those fingers anywhere." Yeah. And also, when she's feeding him the pizza, and the cheese snaps up to his <laughs> mouth, and they kind of laugh about it. I don't know. For a oh. moment there, you're in a different movie for sure. That seems weird. Uh, so not on the extended cut, but I learned from the commentary that there's a scene that's cut out. Where one of those bullies, after that scene, takes her to a park and tries to rape her. Well, I'm glad they, they removed that. <laughs> and Robert England was talking about the comedy. He's like, I don't know why they cut the scene out. I uh, producers didn't like it, and I thought it was rather frightening. Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, it's it frightening. Is. It's completely tone deaf for the rest of the movie. And also, it doesn't make any sense to have that happen. And then she goes home to make a fucking shitty TV dinner, and she gets killed. That's right, because <laughs> she leaves, and the guy with the little bleach spot in yeah. his hair yeah. goes, and he's like, Says something like, you guys take care of this, and he leaves, and I bet it was him. Who's also yep. in Back to the Future, by the way. Yeah. Oh, but I was going to say history. about the real Ghostbusters, um, I didn't know this, but I was kind of looking looking it up. The composer that did the soundtrack for this, it was to, like two guys, and he did the all the music for real Ghostbusters, too. Oh, I love the music on that show. And wrote the theme for Captain Planet. Nice. Oh. <laughs> and, and Mr. T. Okay. The Mr. T cartoon. Heart. In fact, ninety percent of their work is cartoons, except for this. I'm trying to see what else is here. What what, what are some notes I have here? Like I'm kind of confused. Who are we supposed to feel bad for? Yeah, I would never steal panties. I would <clears throat> never spy. There's the whole weird like he's kind of like peeping on them, and he's just right. like, oh, it's cool. That's my cousin. But I also get <laughs> the impression he gets that weird, like he's though, after slow. He makes the first call though, he's he's 
he's weirder after he makes his first call to the hotline, though. It's yeah. like, as soon as he makes he's the immediately call, he's immediately kind of possessed. Which kind of goes to the whole, like, what's cool about the makeup effects, how it's gradual. You know, like, I think it's the whole thing. It's like, as soon as he starts calling, it's like this slow corruption. But, again, why the movie's not like a, five, a four or five star, it's like... They don't do a great job of really explaining that. Like, I watched it three times this week, so it's like, oh, I get what they're doing. But, like, you watch it once, like, oh, so, like, at first it it set up, like, his cousin Spike is is a piece of shit, and you aren't supposed to like him. But then you're like, oh, Spike's actually a good guy. Yeah. Like, like, he's a good dude. And it's like, well, I'm supposed to feel bad for Hoax, but at the same time, he seems like a creep. You know? It's like, they don't do, there's not enough scenes showing he's a good dude before he does the creepy shit, where you don't get you don't understand that corruption's happening. Right. Right. You know, it just seems like he kind of hangs out and peeps on his cousin. Yeah. The editing didn't do it any favors. It's hard to know like when the right time to like sniff panties is, <laughs> um, you know, this before, was not after, the right dirt, time. you know, and this wasn't timed right. <laughs> but so, yeah. So after, yeah. So after he has the, uh, the pizza scene is when the hotline tells him like, you know, he's got to give him a good scare or whatever. And he does his like crazy devil ritual of the pentagram. It was awesome that he was just ready for that. He's like, he's like pentagram oh, on the floor. Can't I've got enough candles to do a full circle. And he had his pet spider. Yeah. I mean, he's a religious household. I'm sure there's a lot of candles laying around. Yeah. He has this insanely um, poisonous spider inside of a cage that your fingers can go in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It is. It's like it's like something you'd use to catch like squirrels in your yeah, yard. Yeah. It's a chipmunk cage. It looked like if you dropped it, it just immediately just explode or yeah, something. Yeah. And there'd be spiders everywhere. Um and that's never really he... addressed either. She's afraid of like the she's afraid of the like the daddy long leg. Oh yeah. It's just the daddy long leg. He yeah. carries it to the door and like, the why the fuck does he have it? this huge spider in his house? I mean he picks up, he's like, he's like, I'll take you back outside, boy. Yeah. Before it gets stomped on by the guy that later presumably raped her. I do love the scene early in the movie with him when he rides up on his Vespa and Spike's talking to him. I pushed Susie. it out in shop yeah. class. And he rides and he's like, what? This is my muffler, Spike. Yeah. <laughs> that scene's great. Sounds just like yours now. And that's an important scene because that's the whole, that's that comes back the the thrilling conclusion of the yeah. film. For when he sure. wants to go on his summer long road trip. That's the sad with part. With a couple That's of That's when like you yeah. actually like, man, he is he's just possessed. He doesn't really want to be here. He, yep. he's not like prepared for this, but then he kind of snaps back in. Yeah, he's it. like Lenny from uh, Mice and Men. Well, yeah. I feel like it's kind of like a <laughs> Oh George. Um, you know Forbidden Planet? Um <laughs> yeah. the old yeah, I think it's kind of Forbidden Planet kind of thing. Like he's possessed, but it's like his inner id. Sure. You know what I mean? It's like your inner desires, but like if you were unconscious, like you don't control your dreams or stuff. So it's like they're they're like things he wants. Like he wants this girl. He's like he's been attracted to the principal. But like it's his inner id and it's like evil. So it's like everything's amplified. You know, like and that's it's a it's a great concept. It's just it's not a great execution. Did you get a vibe that the aunt kind of wanted to fuck Spike a little bit? Yeah. That yeah. like when she was like, Oh, you know, come back here, boy. You know, thou shall not steal. Well, where he tries to walk out of the kitchen and, and she like backs up against the door and won't she, let him leave. When he takes charge and pushes her against the wall, <laughs> she kind of busts a little bit. <laughs> like, she's just like, oh. Get him up. Oh. 
And it's just like, this is kind of fucked up. Oh, talking about the ant, one of my notes was wigs. Did yeah. you notice every scene she's in, she has a different wig on? Yeah. Different haircut, different colors. So, like, at first I was like, oh, shit, Robert England just had bad, like, you know, continuity. But it's like, no, it's like a, some, it's part of that character. Not it's unlike a Moira decision. in yeah. Shit's Creek to a connection to the first episode. She, yes. I made a note. I made a note about the ant, too. She reminds me of uh, Gary Paulson's, like, far side lady. You know? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> she totally looks like that woman. Also, the actress kind of had a Karen Black vibe in a way. Oh, yeah. You know? And uh, in Fade to Black, I got the same vibe just a few days earlier when I watched that, <laughs> where I was like, but then later in the the movie, spoiler alert, you find out that that's actually his mom. So maybe that doesn't make sense. But at the mm. same time, I think there's a, you know, some sort of something going on there <laughs> right before he shoves her in her wheelchair down a flight of stairs. <laughs> oh, love for, good wheelchair kills. Yeah. Best one ever. There's uh, Friday 13th Part 2, man. Yeah, the dude gets the knife in his face and rolls backwards on uh, the stairs. It's not Mother Superior. <laughs> say it's oh. it's got to be that Superior. or Texas Chainsaw. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, because you really I in Texas Chainsaw, kid. you want him dead. It's true. Don't try to say you don't. Yeah, I mean, no, yeah, you're like, yeah, it's true. Oh, it's hundred percent true. Yeah. yeah. Come on, you guys. Don't go upstairs. Hey. <laughs> yeah, that part where he's like, ah! <laughs> I, we can talk a little more about the makeup, I guess. Kevin Yeager, I think, like, he killed it. You know, he did Nightmares 2, 3, and 4. Um, and then the other guys that worked on the makeup in this movie was um, Kurtzman, Nick Terrell, and Berger before they starred K&B, which is probably why all that shit looks so good. For sure. Um, you said Nick Terrell did it? Well, Kevin Yeager is like, it was his, it was like, his, he's the head makeup guy. Yeah. But he's friends with all the K&B guys before they made K&B. Right. So yeah, I, said, I didn't know if you said uh, yeah. so. Kurtzman, Kurt, Kurt, Nicotero, and Burger all okay. helped him with stuff. That's in the cool. Movie. I mean, because all the makeup's great. Like, um, one of the cool sequences I thought um, was when when he's like starting to really pos- be possessed, and he goes into the El Diablo theater, and he's um, attacking all the like the gang guys. You mm-hmm. know, like there's some amazing effects work there. He has like the glasses on. Like, I want more of that in the movie. Like, that's why I feel like if you've transformed right. halfway through, like, I want more of that shit. No, that imagery is really awesome. The sequence is incredible. Like, that's one thing I liked about it is the juxtaposition between him and, like, because, you know, I like the shot that they, like, they're showing, like, his toes bursting out of his, um like, his saddle that's shoes great. or whatever. I was trying to figure out how they did that. Like, is there some fake toes they are, like, pushing up through the floor right. and he's got his t- curled back or. But that, I and like, then he's. And then I he, bet the shoe's latex. I bet it's a fake shoe, and gotcha. then they're just pushing it through like rubber. Right, that's not even his leg. Yeah, I mean, yeah. With those and like I don't know, just like like the like he's wearing slacks and those like yeah. socks too, you know. And then you have like the over, um, like the the over exaggerated like punk rock dudes, you know. The juxtaposition between oh, those yeah. two, I thought, was just really cool. That's that whole sequence is great, and it has some good puns when he rips out the two hearts. He's like. Would it be possible to get into this game with yeah. a pair of hearts? Yeah, that's so fucking cool. Yeah. Also, when he cuts off his hand, he's like, dead man's hand. Man, yeah. like And then later, oh. he goes and finds him. Classic, yeah. like, in the bathroom bur- stalls. bursting through the stalls, and he's in the last one. By the one. way, how many fucking stalls were in that bathroom? And then there's this amazing <laughs> hand shot. After, so he throws oh, yeah. the hand, he kills him with the knife, and then it does this slow pan while he's screaming. And about five stalls away, there's just this hand. And for some reason, the toilet's flushing. And it's full of blood. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like gurgling out. And you're like, why is there blood gurgling out of the toilet? But I don't care. I was confused, too. I was like, what happened here? Late 80s plumbing. 
<laughs> full of that blood. That whole sequence is great. And that leads to like your favorite kill when he kills the guy in the trident on the yeah. roof. And that guy's the biggest doofus of them all. The yeah, cha- you got, like, the chain the wielding. I was going to say, is, yeah. he the, is he the one of the, the racing stripes in his hair? Yeah. yeah. Oh, they they call him a name in the ba- in the scene when they're like taking kids lunch money and they're like giving um, hoax the swirly. They say the character's name and then he corrects them and the name he correct like he ah oh, fuck. I, I guess that's that important to say too is that the bullies at the high school where hoax and Spike go are the same people that they play cards with in the theater. Yeah, yeah, and so that's, that's like why he's there killing yeah. them. Yeah, airhead. Airhead. He's yeah. a morning. Yeah. Uh, it's it's airhead. Not <laughs> no, that's right. He's like, hey, get out of here, skinhead. Here skinhead. He's like, he's it's not skin. It's airhead. Thanks for looking that up. Yeah. Um. No. Uh, when when he's not full demon yet, but he he fights him in the bathroom and he slashed that dude in the face. That makeup's nuts. When he turns and he's like, he cut you, man. Cut you it real looks bad. So deep. It looks great. Yeah. That's the poor man's Billy Drago. Yeah. Unless he's going under a pseudonym or something that I don't know. Oh, man. What's, what are, what are notes do I have here? Oh, the reporter's name's Marty, by the way. And the principal's name is Angela. Oh, okay. Oh, Spike. Uh, the only note I had, the only movie I recognized from is No Holds Barred. Yeah. By the way, he's working now in, in, uh, in Ohio as a chiropractor. I love that movie. <laughs> who is he in No Holds Barred? I can't remember who he is. He's in it. Uh, yeah, let's see. Yeah. If I had to guess, I would say that there's the scene where Rip's little brother goes <laughs> to see <laughs> goes to see one of the fights that Zeus is doing, <laughs> and he brings a friend along, and I think it's the friend, but and I'd have to rewatch it now. But I think he's just the friend. What are notes we have here? Oh, my last my last note I took was gang loves horror posters, maniac, clockwork orange, fright night, iron maiden, and then shirt of an ad. Yeah, yeah. you know, in the bathroom, he's, he's like, he's like, all right, I'm all going to take your lunch money on Tuesdays and Thursdays. You can eat Wednesdays and Mondays. <laughs> yeah. All right. I'm doing you a favor. Now get out of here. That guy, he's wearing this like sweet, um, like yellow muscle shirt, but it's an old like it's like a copy of like an old grindhouse ad from like a newspaper yeah and later for- he has a return of the living dead shirt on yeah i know that too yeah um uh, i was own scream queen linnea quigley um but uh yeah, he's, he has a shirt on it's uh for i drink your blood and uh i eat your skin oh, for a double nice. feature it's yeah like, and that'd be a hell of a double feature in a drive-in yeah but, as long as i eat your skin is second and you kind of like zone out a little bit yeah <laughs> i drink your blood's amazing yeah that's a standalone feature it's weird that it was coupled up I eat your skin because that one's okay, but it's got like all these random. It's just because the names. Twenty minute dance, weird moments. It's just the names. I get it. If you're booking, you're like, oh man, yeah, you know, sounds like, good. It, just, it sounds great. Looks good. Um, so, question: Is this movie worthy of the sequel? <laughs> I'll be honest; I've never seen the sequel. I haven't either. It was directed by Jim Wynorski, though, which makes me want to watch it because I, I haven't. I haven't watched it. I I, I like what. Well, I guess Wynorski. Not all of his movies are good, but I mean, I like Chopping Mall. I love Return of Swamp Thing. Um, it's streaming. I know it's part two is streaming right now. I mean, I would check it out. He, I also love Wynorski's remake of, um, not this earth. I love that movie. That's one of my favorite, like Corman movies. I think that it's, it's so fun. Tracy Lords. Yeah. Well, I think Stephen Joffrey's, he's what saved that movie for sure. He's great. Um, I mean, also I read, I'm sorry. I was going, I was reading some, some, uh, other ratings 
And so this was somebody's review. They said Stephen Joffrey is the type of actor that Bob Saget and Eminem wish they could be. <laughs> <laughs> I recently watched a Jim Wynarski movie. I was I just had to look it up. It's called Dinosaur Island. Now, yeah, it's just like a boob fest. You know, oh, it's of a Roger Corman presents. That sounds you know, right. Random Island dinosaurs still exist. For some reason, there's topless women everywhere. (laughs) I brought something. I got you guys celebratory podcast gifts, which you'll absolutely love. Gosh. This is a box of macaroni and cheese. What do you see? Oh, yes. Cheddar Goblin. Cheddar Goblin. Where's this from? (laughs) It's Goblin Good, dude. Um, Nothing's better than Cheddar. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so if you guys I'm guessing assuming either neither Whoa. one of you then have seen the movie Mandy oh, with, I've seen with Mandy, Nick Cage okay this is in that yeah <laughs> so I I'm not gonna open this I'm gonna display this yeah <laughs> sick I'm not yeah. gonna go home and eat this tonight it's dude I that commercial for and Ch- this is not just a normal prop Cheddar Goblin in here so the listeners know it's not just a prop box for Cheddar Goblin I mean there's <laughs> really yeah she's in there I just remember that uh, that commercial that they had for that that movie, man. I thought that was so. Have great. you seen Mandy yet, Nate? Oh yeah, it's awesome. I love Nicolas Cage freaking out, and it's just really dark and strange. I actually bought it on DVD, which is a little bit outside my box. I was, uh, you know, pre my wife purchasing that Blu-ray player, where it's I was cool. just like, "There's no other way to get it. I want to see it." I'm not going to pay money to download it and not it's really own it. Shutter then too. Yeah, I assume. Yeah, I don't think it was on there yet. So I think he's been on a pretty interesting path the last couple of years because he did that and then he did Mom Color. and Dad, which was just kind of like you know middle of the road. Color uh, space. Which, Color space. Which yeah. Mentioned last episode. Yeah. He was like he was like a peak cage in Mandy. I think. <laughs> I feel like Mandy was like if David Lynch made like a revenge flick like Kill Bill or something. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it. It was like. It was just a revenge movie, but it had the surrealism that made it um, just something different. I don't know. I thought it was really cool. It was a really enjoyable experience. It looked cool. It was weird. That bathroom Brutal. scene with him just like losing Screaming. his shit is just fucking yeah. awesome. <laughs> I just love a good revenge movie. I feel like revenge movies get lost in the annals of action movies and that they're not considered horror movies, but the violence sometimes they are, especially though. in the right periods, you know, what's I spit on your grave. Yeah. Total revenge movie. Also a horror movie. You know, someone doesn't have to get brutally raped at the beginning of it. It can just be like vigilante is one that I think of all the time. I got to see that 35 millimeter at the Alamo draft house down in Austin. And it was it was weird Wednesdays, you know, like a five dollar thing, and I had not seen it before. It's a William Lustig movie, so it's a movie he made after Maniac. It's got Fred Williams in it, and it. it's got Robert Forrester, and uh, yeah, it's like his wife is coming home on the at the gas station. She messes with some toughs. They remember her car and her. They murder her and her child, blasting the child with a shotgun through a window. <laughs> And then he's like, well, I guess I got to kill all these guys one by one. And uh, Joe Spinell is the the creepy lawyer that gets him off. Him no, what did you say it's called, though? Vigilante. Vigilante. It's really great. I check that out. You mentioned uh, I Spend Your Grave. Did you see there's a sequel coming from the original director? I did not. They just announced, um, I'm debating if I want to actually order or not, but they just announced 
a uh, like a 4K set that's remastered the original film, but it also has the sequel in it. Um, and like the sequel has like a whole new like intro from Joe Bob and a commentary by him because like huh. I know he, he, was he like stood by it. yeah yeah and uh which if you have the old elite DVD of I Spin Your Grave there's a Joe Bob commentary and it's really good that's a very hard movie to watch though rape movies are always really hard to just watch. watch the second half yeah when she gets revenge and it's like yes but yeah it's that's it's tough man you just I mean, lost your dick sucker there's a lot of yeah when she's like in the bathtub with the guy and stuff <laughs> I mean there's a lot of really fucking awesome stuff I mean like it's that revenge movie. I mean, that is that is a great revenge. Well, film. Last House on the Left, same thing. It's yeah. like so. Last it's House on the Left. Horror. Last House on the Left is that's a that's a movie that really wigged me out when I saw it. I've actually watched that movie one time. It's great. It's a classic. But like, I I watched that on VHS by myself, and it like so it's a classic. Super... Which by that I mean I watched it twenty years ago. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm never say, gonna watch it. No, no, but no, but no, but but. There's a lot of horror yeah. movies that don't do that to me. Like even as an adult, like I'm not like, yeah, I really want to watch that again. Like it, it's, I don't know. Those kind of movies really freak me out. They make me uncomfortable, man. I don't know. There's an ugliness to them. That means uh, it works. I mean, you know, I'm in my mid thirties, and like every time I thought about putting that DVD in, I'm like, no. You said something <laughs> about, uh, you know, the last time we slept with the lights on last time. Oh mm-hmm. yeah. And I thought about that more, and I didn't sleep with the lights on, but the last horror movie that really like connected with me was green room where yeah. like it for the next week I was like, I could have been in that, you know, like I could have been on tour and someone's going to pay us 200 bucks to go play at this place. And then you show up and you see that it's Nazi skinheads and you end up in this weird situation where, yeah, you know, no, I don't want to say any spoilers, but like blue ruin is a great revenge movie. Mm-hmm. And, uh, green room are like that director. I can't remember his name, but, those movies rip and i believe they're both on prime right now but i would watch if you're in a punk band a metal band you used to tour you're gonna tour again whatever watch green room <laughs> it's like the first horror movie made for a diy band it's the only way did you have any situations like that like on tour ever because like we had some really weird playing with skinheads or no skinheads? just no. i mean just like <laughs> playing the, with foreskin you obviously like yeah. we we had some situations <laughs> where we would find ourselves like we need to get the fuck out of here right now. Um, we never did. We really played and hung out. There was like a couple of weird times. I'm sure. Um, I could do a whole <laughs> podcast about each show, but you know where you just end up at a place you're not welcome. Fist fights break out. Whatever. Yeah, that kind of thing. And that's more like what I mean. Like there were pla- like people would offer us places to stay, and then we'd go over there and we'd be like, "This is fucking weird." Like we should not be here right I've now. Had, yeah, I've had scenarios like that where you stay someone's place. And like that's part of touring, though. In general, is you don't really know where the fuck you're gonna be staying. You don't know what's gonna be going on. You right. Know, now that we're adults, I you know I just use my phone to get a room. Yeah. Every yeah. time. Yeah. We don't yeah. stay at random people's houses. Yeah. Uh, Shout out to the nice stories for doing our intro. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Do- Doctor Phil and you can Reverend find them. You can find them on <laughs> Spotify or yeah. Apple Music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was fun. Uh, well, I mean, if we're doing a spooky podcast and playing a spooky synth band, it seemed like we should probably just make a spooky song for us. And also because we aren't going to play this year because my band Nice Stories is a seasonal project. We only play in October or on Friday the 13th. And um, pandemics made that not really possible. But uh, we were supposed to play. Um, Halloween was actually a Saturday this year. And we had a date secured at our favorite local venue. It's going to be Traffic Death, Nate's Band, and uh, Night Stories together. And um, 
pandemic, the second annual yeah. gathering. Yeah. yeah. And, um, pandemic screwed that up and, uh, pandemic also just killed that venue. And it's actually a super sad time for, uh, a lot of us here in Des Moines. Nate was there tonight. paying his last respects. Yeah. It was, Muse. it was great seeing people I hadn't seen in a while, seeing some of the people, you know, you just, I used to be able to walk up to this one bartender. I'd just say two hams, slide them over. You just, you know, you had an understanding with some of these people and been booking shows there for a long time. Seen a lot of great shows there. You know, easily the fourth or fifth venue I've had to say goodbye to, but I would say it's one of the most formative as far as like, you know, I, I started going there after, uh, touring more. And then that's what made me really appreciate and respect and all that, like the size of it, the fact that it focused on the music. There was no TVs in there. It was just like it's basically there's this stage. You can get some refreshments over here. And every other location is put in place just so you can watch the band. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of places don't do that. They don't. You know, it's like you play on the little cruddy stage in the corner and this is where all the TVs are on while you're playing mm-hmm. and yeah, people are just there and they don't have to pay to actually see you. And then at the end of the night, you get treated like a like a janitor or yeah. a hired hand or something. But uh, yeah, kind of miss that place. I mean, it's, it's an end of an era for sure. Um, I lived in Kansas City for um, about seven years, maybe six and a half, seven. But uh when we lived there, we would always come back, um, you know, play. I still play in a band that, you know, the other guys in the band lived in Iowa still. So we'd book shows here in Kansas City and all around the Midwest and stuff. And um, so when we'd come back to visit a lot and see our friends, it was playing a show at the Muse and hanging out there. And uh, that was part of what made me want to move back to Iowa, honestly, was meeting so many great people there. And um I don't know. A lot of times I say I'm like an introvert extrovert or maybe I'm an extrovert introvert. I don't know which which uh, arrangement of those words makes sense. But like I I a lot of times have a lot of I have trouble talking to people or meeting people in a, in a way. And um, uh, I don't know. Playing music has always been really important for me. It's like how I uh, connect to people or I don't know. And uh, the music was just a space that made that easy, you know? I don't know, not to get like super sappy, but like it is, I mean, it is, it's a sad time. Like, uh, the place meant a lot Yeah. to, to so many of us in the city right now. So, well, and I was, right. I mean, you know, I was reading your post yesterday, Nate, and I think that there's something to be said about that too. Like, cause you were talking about once Harry and Mary's closed, like what was left, you know, there wasn't anything, not the house of bricks. That place sucks balls. <laughs> That's why it's gone. But I mean, yeah, it was all, I mean, you could still do like Botan shows, but there really wasn't anywhere else that you could go until they, until the Muse opened up. It's like music venues run by people that are into music for people that are into music and care about music where you show up and they like, you know, there was only one time where the sound guy sucked. (laughs) Every other time it was like, they really cared about making it sound. Jill and I were talking about last night. That's not a place I ever made plans with people to go. I would just go because you knew you'd end up seeing people. Somebody would be there to. Hang that's what, out. That, that's it was like it was like Cheers, like you know, where everybody knows your name. Like 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 that, and that. I mean, that's so cheesy to say it, but it's like it's true. Yeah. You know that place was it was just special, man. Um, and my 
buddy uh, Richie Daggers or Felipe posted. It was <laughs> like Michael Jordan kissing <laughs> an award. And, uh, he just talked about how like when he walked in there, it made him feel like a champion. And yeah. he had done so many things there. And I just, you know, right there with him, like some of the most memorable moments of being in a band were like definitely on that stage. I remember getting my foot stuck in the stage w- during one show we played, and that was pretty fun. You got your foot stuck in the stage with the Mias? Mm-hmm. That's awesome. They yeah. must have taped that whole shut. <laughs> it was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just remember. I remember just like being like, "Well, I guess this is where I'm at for the rest of this song," because I couldn't get my foot out of it. <laughs> yeah, it was one of those like where once you stepped in, the wood was like this, so it was almost like a like a like a scene from Saw. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it was like if you pulled. If I pulled my foot out of it, it was just going to... If you cut your foot off, or in one minute, a bear <laughs> trap's going to drop out the ceiling snap on your face. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. If I would have pulled my foot off, it would have cut it off right at the ankle. Should we wrap this thing up? Yeah. So let's talk about the end of the movie, yeah. and then whatever else happens, and we can cut it. Um, okay, so... Great transformation. Yeah, so you know, there's all the fucking amazing practical effects from Kevin Yeager. Oh, Kevin Yeager also... Um, he did The Crypt Keeper for Tales from the Crypt HBO. Which is yep. one of the coolest practical yeah. effects. Well, we, he already killed everyone at the at the uh, theater. We talked about all that. He ices everyone there. Lots of cool effects. Cool transformations. Um, and then uh, the principal and... Tabloid news reporter. Yes. They, uh, what, they go back to the house, right? Right. They're going to check on... Uh, are they checking on Spike or Hoax at that point? I think they know Spike's clear because the one guy saves Spike's life when the when Spike dials the number and uh, the car almost runs him over. No, it's kind of weird though because he goes to school looking for Spike, but then they and then he gets the hot spying on principal. He's hoax. like, "I see why you come here often, Mohawk yeah. kid." <laughs> yeah, and he, he gets uh, he goes back to the phone line place and uh, ends up being attacked essentially by the satanic phone phone recorder yes unit yep <laughs> at which point he decides he needs to man up and go you know deal with the situation can we talk about how cool that prop is though yeah that that has to be somewhere right like does it's kirk so, hammond have that in his bathroom dude, it's so <laughs> cool looking like that's probably where it is it's like next to his bidet <laughs> <laughs> uh so basically the principal and the tablet report go back to the house, which I feel like is supposed to be like days have passed because when you see him again, he's way more transformed. He has like scales and stuff. Yeah. Um, Blatantly possessed. Yeah, Satan. he's super, super possessed. And the joke is that, you know, hell's frozen over because they go in the house and it's covered in snow and ice. Which is very cool. It's like they flocked the whole place. How do you feel about <laughs> winter flocking? <laughs> when hell freezes over. <laughs> and it did. Yep. And then the you know the ground falls out and there's all the miniature stuff there mm-hmm. at the end, like especially when he decides you know there's the kind of moment of truth where it's like oh you know hoax is really just this you know nerdy kid trapped in a maybe you shouldn't have drawn the pentagram on the floor moment <laughs> <laughs> and he ends up. Uh, he should have never stole the panties is what it comes down to. Yeah, that's what made, you know. Should have never sniffed them yeah, panties. Don't steal on Otherwise, <laughs> she would have known he was actually not like other guys. <laughs> and then in turn, maybe they could have fallen in love and it would have been They great. had a great pizza date. Yeah. 
I mean, she got drunk on that goddamn pizza. <laughs> she was fucking tore up. It took the third viewing for me to realize what they're climbing across. I was so confused. I was like, what is this fucking Rope? pipe yeah. coming out of the side of their house they're climbing across? It's like the, it's the, it's the bank tube. It's the tube, which we haven't even mentioned that at all during this, but we should mention this. The whole movie. That's what it was. Yes. I just now. Yeah. I had no idea yeah. either. I yeah. thought there was some sort of weird yeah, carnival I like, rope. Yeah. I, the first two times I watched it this week, I was like, yeah, we should mention it? that, that, uh, uh, Every so hoax is you know we mentioned earlier how he's like spying on Spike when Spike's you know having sex with Susie, but um he sends <laughs> messages through the tube. Just oh, did you know? So yeah. I like he sends after the fish rain from <laughs> the, the sky. Sends he the puts fish. a message in the fish and then yeah. boom comes out of the tube in the fish. Yeah, but um wouldn't that yeah. make every letter you sent after that stink like oh, that fish? Yeah, I thought the exact same <laughs> thing. But how did they install that in the house? Uh. I, I feel like there's deleted scenes where Hoax is a a genius, <laughs> and he would have come up with all that, even though it doesn't take a genius well, it's, to well, create a tube that goes from one place to nine. But don't you, <laughs> you think know? Mama would have been into him doing that? It's really like, weird, Mama though. Would have let them install the banking. Well, tube. it's really weird because it's not like I mean, Spike doesn't seem like he has the attitude where he wants to hang out with Hoax a lot. Like, let alone have notes sent to him like, "Oh, you he just the wants landing, to leave the know? window like, cracked." <laughs> He just wants to <laughs> just open up for Hoax to get a peek. Yeah. <laughs> Solid finish, brother. So he can <laughs> So he can rock the panties. Oh man. When he does go in the room though, the most well one well, okay, okay. when Spike's having sex with Susie, that goes on for so long. It's unnecessary. It's, it's, it's unnecessarily it's, she's long. Thrusting so intensely. Oh, you got to know about the thrusting? The smoking during sex thing. Oh, that Susie where smoking? Where she's blowing smoke into his face <laughs> while they simultaneously bust, I think. And then there's the chin butt sucking is right there where you see the kind of Swayze-ish butt sticking up and she's just sucking on it. And then it... <laughs> And then it's over. And then they do the weird underwear exchange. And I think his message he sent her is like, like, which is yeah. anything but sexy. <laughs> yeah, she's like, like, how do you feel about these billowy fucking white these panties. box of briefs? And he throw, she throws on the boxers. Yeah. yeah. And then later, it's the like girl that's doing a... the strip tease at the theater has the slip on, <laughs> but she's wearing pants. Yeah. So why does she have a slip on? If she's wearing pants. You said slip-on, which made me think of how every time in the movie, the, the aunt slash mom um, says she's going to go get her strap out. It keeps actually saying she's going to get her strap on. Yeah. Did you guys mishear that too? I would say if there's a problem in your life, you tell that person, I'm going to get a strap on. <laughs> that problem will go away. You're never too old to get it, hoax. <laughs> Dude, That's when Hoax, yeah, so we should talk more about the, we, we mentioned earlier, so we're skipping the ending, I'm realizing things we didn't talk about. We mentioned earlier that line, uh, like, you know, like, that's what the plastic's for. So, like, his annoying ass mom, aunt, you know, she has the furniture covered in plastic and, like, you know, don't sit on that. You can't sit on, you know, and on the couch. And uh, when he goes full on demon, he ends up killing her. But he has, like, one of the best lines in the movie. Um, he kills her. And there's like blood splatters on the on the plastic couch, and then like the parrot's like, not on the couch. Yeah, not on the couch. Not on the couch. <laughs> He's like, <laughs> and he cr and he kills the bird. 
Yeah. He says, that's what the plastic's for, asshole. <laughs> so good. That's a great line. Yeah. So in the end, uh, when he's a demon, Spike reasons with him. And he's like, and hell's cracked open. Yeah, so so the the tabloid reporter and the principal are climbing across the bank teller tube that sends the messages <laughs> over to the, the spare house. And uh, it like it's crazy miniatures and like its grounds broke open. And there's fire and stuff. And Spike reasons with the demon. Well, <clears throat> how he breaks him out of the spell momentarily is by bringing up this trip that they've always talked about going on. And that's what kind of like cracks him. And uh, for a moment, you think that he's going to change gears. And then at the last <laughs> minute, it's no, now we're going to die together. I mean, he's too, <laughs> he's definitely way too far gone at that point. Even yeah. if he did come back, like he still have scales, right? So, yeah. And weird toes. And yeah. <laughs> fucked up fingers. <laughs> and then he's definitely not going to get a babe to ride on the back of his Vespa with him. Yeah. He's like, oh yeah, maybe we can go on that ride. Across the country, Spike, you and me. And Spike just fucking shoves him out the window yeah. into hell. And that's the great miniature moment. <laughs> yeah. And then there's a weird, just after that, where they look across the courtyard at the other spot, and it's like, is that a green screen? It's like, they're not really standing there. It's like they're standing on a ledge, Yeah. but everything else looks fake. Yeah. And it seems weird. Is that to make it so it looks similar to the miniature stuff or you know it's it looks great i love it i'm just saying you definitely notice it and then we get one last taste of mark dark at the end so we know that he was in on it because you're kind of led to believe because he's that one soon they talked to him you know he's telling them how like he decommissioned the 976 evil horoscope machine because the, the automated system didn't work but in the right. end we see him sitting at a desk with a picture of hoax as the phone rings, setting up the sequel. What's going on in this country? Can't even make yeah, a buck. Man anymore. can't make a decent. What does he say? <laughs> <laughs> a lot of fun rewatching. Every time I've seen it, I've had a fun watching it. So I don't know. It's good. You said it was a great movie, but then you give it two and a half, right? <laughs> <laughs> because I'm basing it on like when I walk away from it, I'm not. I'm not afraid of Satan. And devils and things that don't actually exist. <laughs> but what about running up your parents' credit card when you call 900 numbers, Yeah, that's Nate? terrifying. For sure. But I'm saying, like, that's why I use Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer as an example. I'm more afraid of, like, randomly interacting with a serial killer. Yeah. And then you get killed. Fair enough, fair enough. But, yeah, this definitely came out in the heart of the Satanic Panic, which I, I think is another connection to Trick or Treat. Yeah. I read this book called uh, Satanic Panic, how it interacts with like pop culture. Mm -hmm. And, you know, of course, they talk about D&D &D and Masters of the Universe. Yeah. You know, um, uh, Mike, Mike Sturdivant. Yeah. Or, uh, he was telling me how like, when he was a kid, like his pastor was talking about how he and his were evil and his mom fucking threw them all away. Yeah. It's like, what? There's probably a million of those things in a dump somewhere. I, I guess ultimately I watched it like. I thought it was, like, okay back in the day. Um, I think I had more fun with it. Like, so I think it's three stars, because I think it is a good movie. I think it's competently directed. There's amazing effects in it. Good acting, good cast. I think the concept is fun. It's just something about the execution. Like, that. it could have easily been a four- or a five-star horror movie, as far as I'm concerned. Just, like, it, I don't know. 
some of the pacing's weird. Um, I think he should have became a demon earlier in the movie. I think it could have been cooler. Like, yeah, the deleted scenes shouldn't have been deleted. Yeah. That stuff's weird. Like, the context of, like, why the principal and tabloid are running around. It's like... <laughs> it's almost like, who are these characters? Yeah, like, yeah. they need to set that up a little more. And like you said, the part where it's like you humanize hoax. Yeah. That needs to be more relevant. Well, yeah, because like he's doing some creepy shit because he's already being possessed. But if you don't have the scene set that he's just kind of like a shy, like, loser, yeah. you know? Like maybe he's been baiting in the corner the whole time. But <laughs> <have> no idea. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Like, I don't know. Are we going to wrap this up? Yeah. You got anything else, Hogan? I got nothing. You got anything else, Nate? Don't call the horoscope hotline. <laughs> Do not call it. Yes. Um, but hey, no. Thanks for uh, checking out the the first podcast. Thanks for the nice comments, people. Um, like and subscribe. Brought to you in part by the Franklin Barbershop. Oh yeah, and MediaCrip, our sponsors, Franklin Plaza Barbershop in beautiful Des Moines, Iowa, and MediaCrip, which you can check out at mediacrip.bigcartel.com. Yeah. And uh, also check out thefrightzone.com. <laughs> <laughs> Stay frightening. <laughs> Stay spooky. <laughs> Maybe come out with some sort of kind of at the end. <laughs>